To be precise, as Mr. Hage was to a depressing degree, Tom Bauman left a bank balance that was more than ample. That is to say, more than ample to supply the post-mortem requirements of his own person. There was also twenty years' worth of furniture, a temperamental roadster with asthmatic cylinders, and two one-thousand-dollar bonds of a chain of jewelry stores which yielded 7.5% interest. Unfortunately, these were not known in the bond market. When the car and the furniture had been sold, and the stucco bungalow sublet, Yancey contemplated her resources with dismay. She had a bank balance of almost a thousand dollars. If she invested this, she would increase her total income to about fifteen dollars a month. This, as Mrs. Orrell cheerfully observed, would pay for the boarding house room she had taken for Yancey as long as Yancey lived. Yancey was so encouraged by this news that she burst into tears. So she acted as any beautiful girl would have acted in this emergency. With rare decision, she told Mr. Hage that she would leave her thousand dollars in a checking account, and then she walked out of his office and across the street to a beauty parlor to have her hair waved. This raised her morale astonishingly. Indeed, she moved that very day out of the boarding house and into a small room at the best hotel in town. If she must sink into poverty, she would at least do so in the grand manner. Sewed into the lining of her best morning hat were the three new one-hundred-dollar bills, her father's last present. What she expected of them, why she kept them in such a way, she did not know, unless perhaps because they had come to her under cheerful auspices and might, through some gaiety inherent in their crisp and virgin paper, buy happier things than solitary meals and narrow hotel beds. They were hope and youth and luck and beauty. They began somehow to stand for all the things she had lost in that November night when Tom Bowman, having led her recklessly into space, had plunged off himself, leaving her to find the way back alone. Yancey remained at the Hiawatha Hotel for three months, and she found that after the first visits of condolence, her friends had happier things to do with their time than to spend it in her company. Jerry O'Rourke came to see her one day with a wild Celtic look in his eyes, and demanded that she marry him immediately. When she asked for time to consider, he walked out in a rage. She heard later that he had been offered a position in Chicago and had left the same night. She considered, frightened and uncertain. She had heard of people sinking out of place, out of life. Her father had once told her of a man in his class at college. Who had become a worker around saloons, polishing brass rails for the price of a can of beer, and she knew also that there were girls in this city with whose mothers her own mother had played as a little girl, but who were poor now and had grown common, who worked in stores and had married into the proletariat. But that such a fate should threaten her—how absurd! Why, she knew everyone; she had been invited everywhere. Her great grandfather had been governor of one of the southern states. She had written to her aunt in India and again in China, receiving no answer. She concluded that her aunt's itinerary had changed, and this was confirmed when a postcard arrived from Honolulu, which showed no knowledge of Tom Bowman's death, but announced that she was going with a party to the east coast of Africa. This was a last straw. The languorous and lackadaisical Yancey was on her own at last. Why not go to work for a while? Suggested Mister Hage with some irritation. 
Lots of nice girls do nowadays. Something to occupy themselves with. There's Elsie Prendergast, who does society news on the bulletin. And that simple girl. I can't, said Yancey shortly, with a glitter of tears in her eyes. I'm going east in February. East? Oh, you're going to visit someone? She nodded. Yes, I'm going to visit. She lied. So it'd hardly be worthwhile to go to work. She could have wept, but she managed a haughty look. I'd like to try reporting sometime, though, just for the fun of it. Yes, it's quite a lot of fun, agreed Mr. Hage with some irony. Still, I suppose there's no hurry about it. You must have plenty of that thousand dollars left.